In Luke 24, on the road to Emmaus, some friends encounter Jesus, and as he speaks, they find their hearts burning within them. In this On The Road series, we hear from friends about their current walk with Jesus and what he's speaking to them about now that's burning within their hearts. Join us on the journey. Hi, uh, welcome to another uh, episode of On The Road. I've got Paul uh, with me today, um, who's a church leader in Kingston, part of London. Um, and um, Actor and I actually used to pastor in Kingston as well. And, um, and we were chatting about you, Paul, the other day. You didn't know it, but we were chatting about you. And there was some similar themes that just kept coming up from either my knowledge of you when I was in Kingston, obviously Actor, who knows you really well, just about your love for the church, your love for the poor, your um, just your um, your passion for the prophetic, for apostolic, for people. Um, and so if you know Paul, then you already will be excited to hear him share some of his story. But if you don't, then I genuinely know that you're going to um, enjoy time with him. As we say, the, the whole idea behind the On The Road series is to hear from different people just around how they hear God speak, that this expectation that all of us can hear God day by day, moment by moment, and know what he's saying to us, whether that be instruction or just his compassion and love for us. And so we're going to get some of that from Paul today. And so my kind of the, the general starting point for all on the roads, Paul, is um, is there is there something that you feel that God's speaking about just now that's burning in your heart? Um, or kind of what, what do you feel God's put on you? Yeah, um, I suppose the thing that's exercising my mind the most at the moment. So I was I was part of the Ultras Hour Zoom prayer on Thursday okay. night. Um, mm. The the end of, of that and as as we were praying i just had this very strong image in my mind of a large dark bell totally mm. over big ben and over part of like the parliament building and it kind of grated mm. like you know that that prayer time was a celebration of praying and i'm going yeah, yeah. What, what am I doing wrong here? Why am, why am I getting the tangential, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, this this bell that was, and literally it was like there was, it's like I could see, I wouldn't say sound waves, but you know in a comic where you see like, you know, arrows like trying to show the, the, yeah, yeah, the movie is going, out. coming out of Big Ben. And, but it was, because it was inside this uh, large dark metal bell, it was kind of just bouncing mm. off the edges and it was being muffled and it wasn't getting out. And I even mm. had a sense that that wasn't just Big Ben, it wasn't just the prayer, but it was even Parliament. And I was like, mm. this is a bizarre sort of, this is a bizarre image process, thought process like going through my head. And I, I, was, I was just going, Holy Spirit, like, what are you, what are you trying to show me here? And I felt mm. that... And some more of it kind of came uh, the next day as I we were praying as a group of church leaders in Kingston. I, I just felt that like there's there's leadership around spiritual leadership around the altarist hour thing that that people are leading in that, and obviously there's leadership comes out of Parliament for the nation. That's what it's mm -hmm. there for. But it's the enemy's strategy. I feel what the bell represents is a, a political spirit, mm -hmm. and it's mm. desire to kind of stop leadership coming from this place. And it's almost like we've become so polarized in society and so partisan mm. that we can't hear anything good from the other side because oh, that's not my political party, so yeah. it's all rubbish. 
and it's a bit like oh yeah, that's yeah. not my denomination or that's not my stream or that's my not my whatever flow or however yeah. terminology you choose to use it's like oh they're doing that thing but i, I can't receive that and i've just been really struck in the last couple of weeks by john 17 when jesus prays for the believers and he, he prays father i pray that they would be one you and I are one, mm. and like that's a headbed. It's an incredible prayer. It's like, like and, it's, yeah. and it's like if Jesus prayed that, a he must have wanted it to happen, and b he must have believed that it's possible. But yeah, <laughs> like for us to try and explain the oneness of the Father and the Son, you know, we're we're a hair's breadth away away from heresy whenever we try because it's mm. just so incomprehensible to us. And then Jesus mm. prays that we'd be one. And that's not me yeah, and my church. Yeah. That's me and you and the yeah. church down the road that I don't like and the church down the road that don't like me and et cetera, et cetera. And the guys that have theology that I don't understand and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And Jesus yeah. prays that we will be one. And he says that it's necessary for that to happen so that the world will know that the Father sent him. So therefore that means it's highly mm. important. And so yeah. I just that, that I'm just processing that picture I just had a real sense that almost, whether it's fair to say, we've all imbibed a bit from the political spirit that has overtaken, but yeah. that what God wants to do and the call to prayer, the call to unity, it's a divisive political spirit. And of course, it was the political spirit that tried to kill Jesus, like Herod was, yeah. tried to, was the yeah. first one that tried to kill him. Um, and so, you know, we, we've got, I think we've got to pray against this, but I think we've got to examine ourselves and, and you know, where where does that political thing lurk in me that, that mm. brings division? Or not even, I wouldn't bring division, but am I willing to receive from somebody who's part of the body of Christ but not, not part of my stream or holds a different theology or something? Probably not explaining that very well. No, no, no. I, it's definitely good. It's, it's I was with some friends last night. And we were just talking about how we've uh, in the nation we've lost the ability to have nuanced debate. And yeah. Basically, so if so, if you say anything critical about this thing, then okay, I can instantly put you in the bucket that says you are absolutely anti that, and that you see no redeeming feature in that. And that's some of the political divide. It's some of the um, the kind of the media divide that kind of exacerbates this, and it's obviously exacerbated by the. The echo chambers of social media and things like yeah. that. But so we have, we've lost that, you know, and of course you're right, that exists in the church as well. If these guys over here say this thing, and so therefore that's it, they're polarized, they're totally opposite to me and what um and and the the theme that seems to be coming out in lots of different uh conversations or spaces that I'm in and I know people are in is around unity in the church. And you know, basically God says there's one church, one, yep. one bride. And so, again, where we are sowing disunity or just allowing it to propagate or not shutting it down, like it really is, it's against what Jesus said his bride and his church was um, was meant to be. So now, but I, I want to kind of just, uh, so just so you're sitting there in a, a meeting, you've got this, you know, kind of there, there's all through this hour, they're praying, they're talking about Big Ben, there's all, all this imagery. And then you have this picture in your head of this kind of dark veil. Now, some people might, have that moment and think it's just uh, an overactive imagination or it's just they'll chastise themselves. It was a lack of focus. So just in terms of that kind of experience of hearing God speak like that, how how do you feel or know that that was God speaking, that was something to push into versus just some sort of distracting thought? Because obviously it's, it's 
it's borne fruit for you. You know, like it's fruit in the moment. You've then carried it, it's carried through to you to the a leaders meeting the next day as well. But it could have been something that you easily dismissed as, you know, like it's just kind of... Well, I think the first thing thoughts. is I don't think there's a prophetic person alive that doesn't have those moments of thinking this is just me. Um, you know, I've talked to some yeah. internationally recognized prophets and they have those moments as well. Mm. And the more left fields the 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 communication is the more you wrestle um you know my background yeah. is i grew up in a presbyterian church in ireland um gave me a fantastic grounding in the bible and in understanding yeah. of uh understanding of salvation by grace things like that so i'm very 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 grateful for that but there probably wasn't much of an expectation of the holy spirit speaking on an ongoing basis um hmm. and i became a christian in january 2000 i joined the church that i'm currently part of which is my first experience of first real experience of charismatic world uh, Jan, uh july 2002 hmm. and i struggled to experience anything of the holy spirit like i used to joke that i was the the charis or the, the holy spirit insulator literally hmm. i've been in meetings where it looks like there's electricity flowing through the room for through everybody else except for me, the pillar of salt or something that's stuck in the middle. And I couldn't consistently hear God's voice. I could hear things now and then, but I wasn't sure. And then I think it was about 2007, I was reading Kevin Dedman's book, uh, The Divine Treasure Hunt. So it's a mm. form of evangelism where you get clues from God and you go out and find yeah. the clues. And he bases the whole thing on that verse. Uh, it's... Uh, corinthians and is it 212 it's but we have the mind of christ yeah and in that moment it's like a light bulb came on for me it was mm. like oh when i ask jesus to speak to me the thoughts mm. that go through my head are his mm. thoughts because i have the mind of christ so if i choose by faith to go that's in all probability jesus's thoughts mm. and go with that then what's the worst happens i get it wrong mm. You know, and so that, I would say, that radically transformed my faith journey. The oh. other thing that radically transformed my faith journey was I was asked to preach. We spent a, about a year in, I think it was 2008, preaching through Ephesians 1. Mm. And I was asked to preach on one word, adopted. Mm. And for me, yeah. as I studied, researched, like, prayed into that literally the light bulbs came on for me about what it meant to be adopted as god's son and mm. that the holy spirit was promised by the father it's the father that like promises that the, that the holy spirit will speak to us those that are children of god are led by the voice of god and so all these things suddenly started and so from being a christian who really struggled to experience anything mm to being a christian who i still have days sometimes weeks sometimes months where i'm gone feels like the ceiling's made of brass yeah. you know uh, i think everybody has that yeah. you know you read some of the heroes of the faith they that's what they talk about mm. um but i guess that's what convinced me that god wants to speak to everyone and it is possible i don't mm -hmm. believe that it's that there is any Christian that it's impossible for them to hear God's voice. I've led mm. drunks on the street into an encounter with God mm. where they've heard God speak to them. So I'm going, well, if a drunk on the street can mm. hear God's voice, uh, then with a Christian yeah. who's got the spirit of God inside them, 
it's got to be easy. It's just about unpacking the baggage yeah, to get yeah. them to a point where they can hear. Yeah. Mm. Ah, mate. So, so I, because uh, because that's the thing is that there will uh, we were sort of chatting earlier. So there there were there will be lots of Christians who might say, Do you know, I'd love to hear God speak, but I just don't. And so, like, if you're so again, let's assume that someone's listening to this and they they're thinking, yeah, you know, like I'd love to have that. My whole Christian experience has been a brass ceiling Christian experience where like, you know, like I, I, or I've stood there and I've felt people around me experience God, but I've not. And so when you're talking about like unpacking the baggage or something like that, so like what, what, what kind of, when you're, when you've pastored people through that situation, what is it that's in your heart? Well, to give you some of my own examples is probably the best. Like, so I remember praying one day and, and I, I, you know, pastors throw out that sort of thing and people assume that I spend three, four hours <laughs> like in prayer every day. I'm the same as everybody else. There's days when time seems to have stood still and I've prayed for like an hour and there's days when time seems to have flown and look at my watch and it's been five minutes and like yeah, yeah. I probably fell asleep twice in that five minutes as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah there's often an assumption that it's been earned prayer. Like, oh, well, Paul's a pastor. He must have prayed for hours. No, 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 it's not. No, no. Um, not, not even close. Um, but I was, I was praying one day and like, again, it may not have been profound. It may not, but this image kept on flashing through my mind of me approaching a person that I knew was God. But every time I get close, I'd flinch and I'd literally put my arms around myself and try and cover myself up. And I knew enough about prayer ministry to know that that's not a good image that's me trying to protect myself like i don't think you need a, a phd in prophecy to work out that that's yeah, probably yeah. not, something uh, not an right image of a good yeah. relationship with the father and I, I said holy spirit why am i doing this and he hmm. says because you think i'm going to criticize you hmm. i was like oh wow yeah actually i i'm very aware of my failings hmm. and i i know if i come to you you're going to you're going to like point out where i'm wrong and he says but i've declared you righteous hmm. Hmm. when i look at you all i see is the righteousness of jesus and so that that's a moment where i had to repent and say holy spirit i'm sorry i've put a lie i've believed a lie about who you are and about who yeah. i am and as i repented of that lie and as i also the Holy Spirit brought to mind certain incidents that had happened through life where people had done stuff that had put that lie on me as I forgave them, released them. I suddenly mm. that thing began to, to dissipate. And, uh, you know, it takes, you know, neurologically, it takes it's like, you know, 21 days to create a new neural pathway. People say, oh, I got prayed for and that got broken off me, but I'm still struggling with it. I'm like, yeah, but all the prayer did was broke the lies off you. Did you build truth? Did you? Yeah. Were you transformed by the renewing of your mind? And so that's where people often get stuck. It's like, okay, Jesus, you broke off the lie, but what's the truth that you gave me? And so in my case, the truth mm -hmm. that he gave me was, I've declared you spotlessly righteous. So every time the thought pattern comes into my head, of, oh, I've got to recoil. Yeah. I have to stop myself. And remind myself that that he up. says that I've become the righteousness of Christ. And as you do that over time, mm. suddenly what happened with me was something happened, an incident happened, and I didn't feel that I had to like work through it cognitively in my head. It, it just happened. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is what freedom looks like. And that's not just something that happened mm. in 2007, and that was me sorted now, and I can write my book about it. And yeah. This is an ongoing process of like, you know, and you think you've got it dealt with, and then suddenly something happens, and the Holy Spirit goes, "We're back in the operating table." You yeah, go, oh yeah. no, here we go again. But that's His love, and that's what discipline looks like. I believe.
Mm. And so, um, so because uh, it, it's come up in a few of the conversations just around the kind of almost like a tool set around kind of scripture as a weapon to kind of fight stuff off of, of basically that there is an effort involved in in building that pathway. You know, it's the 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 neurology says basically, uh, you know, cells that fire together wire together, and so basically where things happen at the same time, they build the strength, and that's kind of the pathways that you go on. So, so part of that story for you has been around the there was a moment of realizing you have the mind of Christ. There then comes battle on the back of that, where I have to kind of keep fighting day by day, and then you you think, okay, that victory is won, and then you discover there's something else that happens that kind of chips away again at that. And so in terms of kind of your experience now, day by day, in terms of hearing God speak and kind of what your expectation is, kind of what does that look like for you in terms of that kind of daily experience of hearing God speak? Do you want a good day or a bad day? I'll take both. Give me one of each. Um, <laughs> a good day. I get up in the morning. I'm bright and breezy. I, I sit down in this seat and, you know, I sit down and I say, Sometimes I just sit in silence and I go, I learned from a friend, Father, here I am, love me. And mm. I, I force myself to sit in silence and I'm a very distracted person. And so what I, what I'm like, my mind instantly has gone somewhere and I, I imagine myself pulling it back, like physically, no, mm. come back, come back. And just forcing it to remain in peace and in quiet to allow him to speak. And, you know, the most, the most profoundest thing is when you feel the father say to you, my son, I love you. Like mm. I am, I I love you so much. You know, in some ways, is is there anything, is there anything more profound than that? Like sometimes in, in my immaturity, I get more excited about when he tells me, this is what you're speaking on on Sunday, or this is what you do. But actually the fact that he loves me, and I, I guess the moments that excite me the most is when, he says something in a way to me that just I, I experience his love in a new way and that I, I'm just brought back to the very basic that I'm never more than a son in my father's arms. Um, mm. But like I say, a bad morning, I come down here, I sit down. I try to I try to do that. Nothing happens. I try to worship to you know. If maybe if I rub, if I worship, I'll rub the genie to come out of the bottle. You know, like I'll, I'll yeah, yeah, somehow yeah. entice God to come and speak to me. I find the magic formula. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I again, know the magic formula. Yeah. I know what to do. Um, yeah. You know, and then you catch yourself and you go, "I'm being an idiot here." Like I, I know I can't prize open mm. God's stingy fingers because He doesn't have stingy fingers. He's He wants to bless me and. I, I slow myself. Like I've had so many incidents where, you know, my mind goes, oh, I'm back being that guy that can't hear God's voice. And I've got to stop myself and go, no, no, I know who my father is. I know that my father gives good gifts yeah. to his children. And sometimes that's in the same moment. And that's sometimes a day later or two days later. And so, yeah, the bad days, I hear nothing. I feel nothing. I sense nothing. And I go away a bit grumpy. The good days. And even in those moments, I've got to remind myself, what was the purpose of this? Was the purpose yeah. for me to spend time with God? Or was the purpose for me to get to be with my father? You know, yeah. and, and uh, I trying to learn the purpose with, for me was to be with my father, not to get something from him. And yeah. so for me to sit here for half an hour or for 20 minutes or for an hour, whatever it is, and not sense anything mm. is not a fail. Mm. Because I was here with him and I made myself available to him. Mm. 
So I, I, I realize that, you know, it was Pope John Paul II, I think, said the the opposite of love is not hate. The mm-hmm. opposite of love is use. Wow. And I've realized over the years that I have used my prophetic gift at times to get what I want from God rather than just be with him. And mm. there's times where he's challenged me about that. And those are moments where you feel pretty small and you think yeah. like, wow, I've, that's, that's pretty horrible. That's the opposite of love. Mm. Cause it, it's an, it's an interesting, it's a very human dynamic of we sit, we try to hear God's voice speak, or we just try and find God in the moment. However, that is for us. It doesn't happen. And our instant assumption is that, you know, basically the faults with us, as opposed to maybe just God wasn't wanting to speak to us at that moment, or he was just wanting to do something else, or he's wanting to train us in disappointment or basically, you know, like, so like we, we instantly assumed that basically something went wrong in that moment. And the thing went wrong was me, as opposed to just God was doing what he wanted. And some of it's just that very, we are very um, results focused. Like I, I spent half an hour with God, so I, I expected something back from it. Um, and yet the flip side is probably true is there there are, I think there's a lot of people in the church that have um even just lost the expectation that yeah. you can you can sit before God and expect to hear him speak now and so so on that I'm I'm kind of keen to uh, uh, just uh if you can share just a little bit about like how it is that you feel God speak because I I've got friends that will basically pray they will then see above someone's head like a, a kind of word written in a stylized format. And they basically know that that's the word that God's wanting to speak and the style of the thing speaks into them. For as well, you've kind of shared it, you kind of get that picture. For some people, they will feel God bring them to a piece of scripture. And so I suppose part of what we want to do in this series as well is um, is just share some of the variety of how God speaks. Because when, even when I say God speaks, some people will always think that just means audible voice. And so it, just in terms of kind of some of your experience around how God speaks to you yeah and just before i answer the, your, your question like i've i've seen like in training people in hearing god's voice one of the points that i, I repeatedly made is you've got to hear what your communication language is and learn what that mm. is so i have a friend who if i needed a prophetic word he's the guy i'd go to like he's i've, I've re- he's as sharp as but he came to me for prayer one time for something for himself he couldn't hear a word from god couldn't hear a thing Mm. and we worked out as we kind of dug around a bit that what was wrong was he was basically listening in the long in the wrong language Mm. so when he has pictures for other people he gets images go through his mind Mm. but god was speaking to him the only way i could describe was he just had a sense of certain things he couldn't put his finger on you know I saw that, I heard that, etc. But he's like, I just know this. And so once we got into the yeah. realization that God speaks to you in a different language, there's a different level of intimacy to speak to. See, when mm. I have a prophetic word for somebody else, it goes in here and out here without any connection to my heart. It requires no vulnerability mm. for me to prophesy over somebody because it's no like it never drops lower than here. But for me mm. to let God speak to me, that's vulnerable because do I trust him on what he's going to say that it's going to be good? And so mm. I, I, you regularly see some people that can prophesy all over other people, but they can't hear for themselves. And mm. it's often either they're afraid mm. of the vulnerability 
or sometimes mm. there's a blockage that we have to help them deal with. But it's it's often yeah. that they're kind of listening in the wrong language. They're listening in English and God's speaking in French. Um, and it's mm. as basic as that. And I think, I can't prove mm. this, but I think we have spiritual senses very similar, like the equivalence of our physical senses. And so some people, mm. they they see, and I'm not just talking, There's, I think the number of people that see open visions is probably not that many or see directly into the spirit yeah. realm i know people who do i mm. very rarely have um mm. what i tend to see in my imagination you know it's it's in my mind mm. and but i see fairly um fairly identifiable images but that's mm. grown with time and what i've noticed as well when i've done outreaches on the street mm. like Somebody sits down in front of me, I can prophesy over them instantly. And I've done stuff where, like in, in street fairs and stuff like that, where you just, somebody sits down and you prophesy. And I'll have something instantly. Mm. If I don't have something instantly, I probably won't have anything at all. But mm. some of my friends, like they work well in team with me because I'll have something instantly and I can just go. But mm. I won't necessarily have a huge amount of detail or depth. Towards mm. They need to just sit and stew for a while. And so mm. in some ways, me, ju me just going and saying what I'm feeling, like it's not inaccurate, but it just doesn't have the depth that they have. But then piggybacking mm. off me, having a bit of time, then they come with a lot of depth that rounds out the picture a bit more. And, mm. you know, for some of them, they, again, they'll, 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 They'll hear, like it'll be a, a thought that goes through my mind. When I get words of knowledge about um, injuries, I tend to have an image in my mind of a body part and often like a, a, a redness, like inflammation. Mm. But sometimes I've felt physical pain in my body and I've gone, that's not my pain. I don't have pain there. Okay, mm. there must be somebody else yeah, with, yeah. with that pain. So I think, I think the big thing is God is speaking all the time. Mm. you know that's what the bible says sometimes we perceive it sometimes we don't but god is speaking all the time mm. so if that's the case you know am i and i'm trying to learn this and again this is the difference between the good days and the bad days <laughs> you know what's god speaking through in my environment right now that i'm completely mm. missing you know he's spoken to me powerfully through like some pop song on mm. the radio or something that like somebody's got, but God can't speak through that. And it's like, well, wow, your view of God is very small. If you think that yeah. God can't speak through, you can speak through a donkey. Yeah, that's it. The bar. Yeah, yeah, or a severed hand writing on a wall, because his means of communicating are pretty varied. Yeah, yeah. And, so, like, I wouldn't be limiting. And like, I, I've been, a, I've done prophetic trainings where you say to people, you know, go to the cupboard and take out something and prophesy with it. Mm. And they're like, kind of like, what do you mean? It's like, go and try it. And then mm. God speaks like, like they've got, oh, I've got a tea towel in my hand, and I feel God saying this, this, and this. Mm. But you see, God is always speaking, though we may not perceive it. Yeah. But it's, it's some of it's, are you, are you using the right sense? You know, like so many people that have been in charismatic world for a while and they've heard people talk about pictures, so they're fixated on, I need to have a picture of my mind. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, I start asking them questions and they're going, oh yeah, these thoughts were going through my head. Like, and I had this Bible verse, like literally I had a guy, I was praying with a guy one day and he doesn't know his Bible. Like he barely ever reads it. And he said like, God never speaks to me. And I've just learned that, well, you're going to now. Because I've got authority yeah, yeah. to take you into God's presence. And he goes, 
Yeah. Uh, I'm, these words are going through my head, and I laugh. And I can't. It's not the actual Bible verse, but it's. I know what Bible yeah. verse it is. I just Google it. I go, mate. There's that verse from Revelation you just quoted because I've never read that in my life. And then he says something else, and that's wow. some verse from Isaiah. And I'm going, you're the guy that says yeah. that God doesn't speak to you. And here you are churning out Bible yeah, yeah. verses that you say you've never read. Yeah, you're yeah. going to have to give me some explanation about that because, um, I, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Um, and so I, I suppose I've got two things I, I just want to do. I, I, I'd love you um, in a moment just to pray for people um, who are listening or watching this who – um, have maybe been in that brass roofed kind of, you know, like, or I don't hear God speak. Um, and I'd love you to pray for them. And also just around that kind of that wounding thing for some people, basically, where they're just, they don't know the father heart of God. So I'll, I'll come to that in a second. But I suppose um, before we we just um, pray on that, is there is there stuff that you're feeling just now that God's speaking? You've already talked earlier about unity and leadership and stuff in the church. Is there is there stuff that you're you're feeling God's speaking to the church that like you know like if you had your thirty seconds before the the bride of Christ and you were to share what God's put on your heart for the church as a whole and more the church in the UK is there something that you that you just feel like a burden there that God's speaking to you about? Yeah, I think I read a book, uh, Tom Holland's book, Dominion. So he's a secular historian and he traces mm. how Christianity has shaped the culture. And it's a profound book. If you're into history and you're into theology, it's an incredible yeah. book. But he traces, like, and you see the swings and the, the corrections of the, theological practice over the centuries. Mm. And you can look at it without faith and it's depressing. You see man fumbling mm. around looking for truth but if you look at it with the eyes of faith i see a loving father bringing correction when we go pendulum mm. swing one way too far and it's just gently bringing yeah. us back and i guess i feel post covid we're in a season of gentle correction where i think mm. i'm only going to speak for charismatic world of which i'm fully part i'm a signed up charismatic but i feel like god is speaking to our stream of the church and saying Mm. Some of you, many of you have, be, have have reduced the the work of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to my personal walk with Jesus and possibly an enjoyable experience when we gather together. Mm. And, and the coming of the kingdom is kind of when we gather together in our gathered moments towards actually mm. the spirit was given for the mission. And mm. to go into all the world, and I just feel that we've 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 become comfortable with a dichotomy of the my personal walk with Jesus, but it doesn't impact the world around me in the way that Jesus impacted the world mm. around. And we're all, you know, where that spectrum in each one of us ends, like. Only the Holy Spirit can mm. convict each one of us. But the phrase that I felt him give me was, there's an awful lot of the church has his name on it, but doesn't look much like him. And mm. that's around our attitude to the poor. It's our attitude to the marginalized. It's, you know, a whole load of social things. But in the, the Hebrew word for personal righteousness, I'm not even going to attempt to butcher it, but it's the same <laughs> word as like personal righteousness and justice are the same word in Hebrew. Mm. In the Hebrew mind, you, they're inseparable. The, the mm. personally righteous person is a just person, and a just person 
is because of their personal righteousness. And I feel there's, and mm-hmm. I, I look at some of the polarization that's happening in the church and sort of stuff that's seen as around justice is dismissed as woke left leaning, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and gone. We cannot buy into this, into this political spirit. Let's call it what it is. Mm-hmm. We've got to look at Jesus yeah. as our model who, you know, reached out to the lepers, who fed the poor, who, you know, reached into those situations who didn't who didn't just say, well, it's about gathering in. You know, the, the Old mm-hmm. Testament was you gathered into one place. Jesus went out. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, I guess that's something that's exercising my, a lot of my thought space at the moment. Mm. It's um, it, it brings to mind there was a uh, a podcast I was listening to uh, a, a number of years ago, and um, this guy was sharing part of his journey, um, in the sort of kind of the organised church as it were, and then there was a painful leaving from him from the church he was in, um, and he he reflected on this question where he said, you know, Jesus says I will build my church, and he said I suddenly had this moment where I was like, okay, Jesus said he would build his church, and he's been doing it for two thousand years, what sort of job? do I think he's doing? And he said he found it really uncomfortable because he, he looked at the church and he was like, well, on the surface, he was looking Western church, says on the surface, it looks like Jesus isn't doing a good job. When I look at the church, it feels like he's been doing it for 2000 years. He's not doing a good job. And he says, but then what I realized is actually maybe what Jesus was doing, what he's looking at when he looks at his church is different to what I look at when I look at the church. And he suddenly just had this kind of thing of actually like the our view of what church is may be very fundamentally different to what Jesus is doing and building his church and what his like his bride is doing in preparation yeah. for his return for people to come into salvation. And I am um, it, it was a thing that stuck with me that again just came to mind as you're talking about like that. What what we have um, boxed and said this is what church is, like we really need to examine it with our um hearts open before God to challenge us on it and say, is it's what we have defined church to be and the denominations of church and the divisions of church. Is that really what Jesus says church is? Is that is that really what he's called his bride to be? Like, you know, this like, you know, because there, there is um, and so you get into actually is is it good to say this is what we believe as a church because it allows you to know we are brothers and sisters that you can co-labor with and what you know um but i i just i, I, I think, i'm gonna i'm gonna say i think on the really. flip side and i agree exactly with what you're saying but i think on the flip side like I, I was i have random conversations with the holy spirit and sometimes i get profound responses sometimes i don't but <laughs> i was just like jesus and again it was off the back of reading tom holland's dominion you just yeah. see the atrocities that the church has committed and the good and but like just your your mind boggles like people say the world is getting wor- worse and yeah, i just laugh and yeah. say have you read history yeah like like read a history book and come tell me the world's getting worse mm. it's not getting better it's not getting worse it's just full of humans yeah and uh but uh, you know I was, jesus why do you choose to reveal yourself through the church like we just do such an awful job like you must tear your hair out at yeah. the damage that we have done to people yeah. and still do to people. And I just felt him say, I have confidence in my love mm. to be able to reveal me properly. Mm. And that my love is able to fix even the damage. Mm. And I'm like, wow, my 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 confidence in God's love is obviously <laughs> so much less than his confidence <laughs> in himself. Love. Yeah. Like, and yeah. it's not that he's arrogant, he just knows who he is. 
So. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a true myth. Well, beautiful. Yeah. Um, Paul, why don't, I'd love I'd love you just to pray um, just to, to to finish us off um, on this time together. Just um, as I said, however your heart feels led. Um, but I, I felt a particular burden as you were just talking about Christians who don't know that father heart of God, that he loves mm. them, that basically there's a fear to uh, being vulnerable with God because um, just a fear of what they're going to say. But um, so that I, I felt stirred by that as you shared, but I'd love you yeah. just to pray for. Yeah, father, you're a good, good father. There is no father quite like you. And all of us, to some extent, have got damaged lenses because of the failings of our biological fathers. Our human fathers are exactly that human. And I'm a human father, and times I cringe at hmm. the, the wounds that my limitations and my failings and my humanity cause my children. But Father, you are perfect in all of your ways. You are always perfect. And so together with the Apostle Paul, I pray that we would have power. And it requires power from you together with all the saints. So we cannot do it on our own. Mm. To grasp, Jesus. to understand, to, mm. to somehow lay hold Jesus. of the height and the breadth and the depth and the length of the love that the Father has for us. Because mm. if we know what it means to be chosen, to be loved, to be adopted, mm. I haven't just been forgiven by God the judge, I have been welcomed into the family Jesus. by God the Father. And the judge of all the earth has become my daddy. And Jesus, mm. the righteous one, has become my big brother. Jesus. And he pleads on my behalf before the throne of grace consistently and eternally mm. for me. And so, Holy Spirit, will you enlarge our hearts? expand mm. our ability to know to know yada the hebrew yada the same yada that adam knew his wife that made her become pregnant it wasn't cerebral it was intimate it was experiential to know the hope to which we've been called to know that we are your glorious inheritance How's that to bend our minds that we are your glorious inheritance and the incomparably great power for those who believe? Yes. Help us, Jesus. Yes. If we just grasp this, everything else falls into place because you mm. knew who you were and where you were from, and that enabled you to reveal your love to the fullest, to the fullest extent. Yes. That will change mm. this world if we can do that. Help us, Father. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Spirit. We need you. In mm. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you, Paul. Thank you for your time today. Um, if you've joined us on the road, it's, it's been a pleasure to have some of what God has spoken to Paul about be shared with you. Um, and I look forward to you joining us next time as we have someone on the road to, to share their walk with God. God bless.